Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back to the Wellness Wonderland Radio, everybody. I am psyched for today's episode of the Wellness Wonderland Radio because it's a first for us. We have our first male guest in Wonderland, and today I am thrilled to have Brandon from Hypersion herbs here on the show. And if you're not familiar with Brandon and his amazing YouTube channel um, and company, allow me to introduce you. (laughs) Brandon is passionate about Chinese tonic herbs and has been using herbs in his daily life um, for seven years now. And his experience in healing and All of the life-changing effects has just been tremendous. Um, Because of all of these effects and success that he's had with them in his own life, he opened a tonic bar in Louisville, Kentucky in late 2006, and he recently stepped away from that company with the intention of reaching a larger, broader audience and helping more people, which I think is just really, really rad. So anyways, we're going to get to know him more today and more about um, his intention and mission in this world and information that hopefully um, can help you guys in your daily life and using herbs. So welcome to Wonderland, Brandon. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Glad to be the uh, first person or the first male on your show. I know, I know. It's it's pretty cool. (laughs) We've been really, really female heavy so um which lots lots of cool ladies but um i'm definitely definitely. excited to um to have a male around um but anyways i guess kind of where i want to start tell this is totally personal but tell us about your tonic bar that sounds amazing and i mean right now i adore playing around in the kitchen and making tonics and i can spend hours in there with all my herbs and potions, I like to call them, just um, hanging out, but um, I would love to be able to pop into a tonic bar if they would just be like 7-Elevens everywhere. I think that that would be amazing. So how did you get that idea, and um, do you know of any more that exist? Were you kind of a trailblazer with that? Could you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, I mean, there's a few out on the West Coast. That's primarily where the whole thing kind of began. Uh, particularly, there's a health food store in Hollywood called Erwan. And uh, that's kind of like the quintessential tonic bar and really where it started. I'm not sure really the state of, that it's in right now because I know the store in that area has gone through a lot of managerial changes and personnel changes. But really, that's kind of where it started. And um, basically... I was just young and very inspired and rather naive about a lot of different things and just had an idea and was able to sort of step into it in a pretty short amount of time 
without really knowing anything about business or <laughs> any of the practical things that you actually need to have a business. However, I was quite strong in being intuitive with people and working with people face-to-face and building rapport, building relationships and reading people. And then from that, creating custom fine-tuned beverages based on you know what was right for them and relative to the actual ingredients and such that I had to play with. So that's kind of um, a lot of how it got started. And, you know, as a, as a business, it wasn't inherently too profitable or successful in that front, but it allowed me to learn a lot of things and get a lot of experience that then catapulted me into where I am today. So in that sense, I mean, it's, it was a great stepping stone, a great uh, learning tool. And actually now, um, there's a company here that is run by a guy that I know. And basically it's sort of a version or form of what I originally created back in 2006, but it's just like a little bit more kind of watered down in mainstream in the sense that it's more about like fruit smoothies and green juices and then like a little dusting of herbs added in. Whereas my whole thing was like all herbalism, all superfoods and no like fruit smoothies, no vegetable juices and stuff, which was a real shock to the conservative (laughs) Louisville marketplace. Right. Uh, They weren't really ready for it. Um, But like I said, I was rather naive and quite inspired at the time. So was able to do that, but, um, you know, luckily now this guy has taken that original idea and whatever pieces were left and turned it into something which is doing actually pretty well. And he has a couple locations in the city. So I'm very happy that for that to say that Louisville actually has a juice bar and actually has a place where you can get, you know, fresh green juices and, you know, high quality organic smoothies and with some, you know, herbs and foods added in. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And and I think, um, you know, I, I love to hear that those types of places are, are popping up everywhere now. And especially, you know, because like you said, in, in California or um, West Coast or even bigger cities, you know, in New York, this, this type of, um, you know, health is so prevalent and there's like a juice bar on every corner. And um, I think kind of in this middle America place, you know, that we both happen to be located in, I think it's more rare still, but I love hearing that maybe it's not everybody is kind of at a different level with their health journey. So I think, um, you know, for some people, for a lot of people, actually, um, you know, green juice and green smoothies are still really radical and maybe they're not ready to um, completely dive into to herbs and um, finding these different levels. And then there's, you know, other people who want to um, dive right in and, and adore tonics like us. So um, I think it's great, you know, whatever level it's on to, to have these options and have more options, especially in these places where it might be a little shock for people, but at least it's opening them up to the, up to all of this. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's a delicate balance because, you know, depending on where someone is at, there's going to, there's going to be a, a myriad of things that seem extreme to them. So in a sense, it takes kind of a, a deft hand and a real sense of taste and a sense of context to be able to understand where a person is. 
and be able to determine what is going to fit into their existing worldview and be challenging enough to get them moving forward, but not too challenging to where it completely overwhelms them and like kind of freaks them out. Yeah. Um, because, you know, some people just certain things are not right for them. It just, that's just how it is. I mean, we all have different personalities and needs and wants and desires and constitutions and different things work for different people. So there's just, you know, <laughs> as a, as someone who is a good practitioner, someone who wants to be a good practitioner working with people, it's really just discerning and developing this ability to really have about 10,000 things in the back of your mind at once and then be able to clearly like make a simple decision, mm. which you know, because tonic herbs are great and they work, but they don't work for everyone all the time. Right. So, and people have this sort of naive, childish notion that, like, it's everything is perfect and we want this, like, world that's only white but not black, you know, where we put things on pedestals and think it's, you know, the, the savior. But in reality, you know, even things like reishi mushroom, which is, like, one of the greatest herbs on the planet... There's a lot of people that I've that I've known that it just doesn't work for them, but vice versa. And on the flip side, there's plenty of other herbs that might work for that person that might not work for a person of a different constitution. So it's like really developing this ability of discernment, which why it can seem very overwhelming and very like kind of <laughs> too deep for some people. But right. Right. And I mean, my head is like sore from nodding. I mean, everything you said there is like right on. And, um, and I couldn't agree more. It's about finding that edge, just like with, with yoga or exercise, it's, you know, not going over it, but, but getting there. Um, and it's different for everybody. And that's what I think. Um, and I've talked about this before on, um, on the podcast with kind of my own health journey, but that's why a book or um, a specific diet plan really is not only not right for everybody, but if someone has the personality personality type like I do, where you really latch on to something, it can be actually really detrimental and scary because all of our bodies are so different and we try to think of them as machines or computers and they're really, really smart, but they are so different that one manual is just not going to work. One diet, one herb, one whatever is just not really going to work. And our minds tend to want to work in that way. But um, I think we really have to kind of shift that paradigm here. And um, and that's what's so cool. And that's what your talent really is, is really tailoring um, herbs and, and this source of medicine and this like really great gold mine that that you kind of have here and um really making it unique for every single person and I think people want like that um overarching umbrella type solution but but it doesn't doesn't really exist so um anyways I just think that's really cool (laughs) yeah and that's really been a major focus of my thoughts and philosophy and paradigm over the last year so is really backing people out of the sort of programming and spells and all sorts of weird mental ideas that get people into these weird situations Mm -hmm. and really lead them to a place to where they don't know how to make decisions and then are in a place of weakness which causes them to latch on to extremist philosophies or 
someone else's experience. And really, the main point is just getting people into more of a feeling-based form of consciousness and really balancing the flow of energy in their body in a way which is more psychological and mental and also in a way that people don't necessarily realize it's doing what it's actually doing. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, you can adjust energy in the body in a lot of different ways. And sometimes it's just a matter of backing out of an idea or letting go of an idea. And that can be the thing that sort of anchors the mind into the heart and anchors the heart into the body and the whole thing, which then allows people to be informed to actually just feel out, well, this is what I want to do. Well, this is a better option. And then really just not have to <laughs> deal with all of the crap about, oh, this is best or this is the best or this is the new thing. This is the new fad. You know, you have to have this herb or supplement or this diet or else you're going to die or <laughs> like some extremist claims because, you know, we live in a very commercial commerce-based world, which is based on capitalism, which is based on constant growth. So as a result, the underlying philosophies of this like modern health paradigm is this need and desire to always come up with something new, always come up with something fresh, the next greatest, the biggest, the baddest, the whole thing. And then people just sort of buy into that and get trapped into it and really get on this weird little roller coaster ride that is more akin to a hamster wheel where we're like running and running and expending all this energy and time and money and focus and life force, but not really going anywhere. Um, and that's, that's convenient because without that sort of hamster wheel, a lot of commerce wouldn't be able to take place. So really a lot of what I focus on is trying to get people to see things in a way that allows them to make the choice of whether or not they want to run on the hamster wheel anymore or whether or not they want to kind of tune into their own inherent intelligence. Um, so that's really kind of where I'm at more so. And that, that might lead people to a path of taking herbs and supplements. It might lead them to a path of not doing that. You know, you don't really know where it's going to take them because, you know, the body has that knowledge, the body has that wisdom, but the mind just kind of gets in the way <laughs> of yeah. all the things. Yeah, well, I think, you know, and just to get, get personal and get really transparent, like for me, um, you know, this is something that, I still struggle with and um, really is that using my body and my intuition as my greatest teacher and my greatest support when, you know, there is still a little part of me, a big part of me that, you know, wants, you know, right now it isn't in a doctor, it isn't in a, in a like drug or anything, but I still want that special herb that's just going to cure what I'm having in the moment or that special person, that coach or that teacher or that book or that special meditation to just like fix everything and like the, um, the, you know, all encompassing thing. But really I'm learning now that it's, it's different every day and it and I'm the only one, I'm the guru, I am the one that can, can fix all of this. And, and that's, you know, that's trippy for our minds because we, we haven't really grown up in the society where you, that you think that you can just kind of go and somebody can fix everything, but really it, it really relies on you. You know, you can only, people can help you and the herbs can help you, but really it comes down to your healing really is something that 
you're completely in charge of yourself, which can kind of sound scary. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think a lot of what you're saying is really at the core just based on state and state of being. And a lot of a lot of what I've noticed that drives people in kind of the health world is issues of self-esteem and self-worth and this whole thing about I'm not good enough or I'm broken and I need to be fixed. And that's not necessarily good or bad, right or wrong, because a lot of mechanisms in our culture run off of that paradigm. Religion runs off of that to a large degree. A lot of spiritual things run off of that. And obviously a lot of commerce runs off of that. I mean, all you have to do is turn on the TV or read a magazine or look at a billboard and they're selling you, you're not good enough. But if you buy this, then right. you'll be better. And people carry that over to the health thing. And that's definitely a major component. Another component is that, you know, all of us do have this inherent drive to be better, to be more, to expand, to create, to transform. And that that drive, that psychological archetype wants an outlet. It wants to come out. It wants to thrive. It wants to be expressed. So I think that's oftentimes why people get so caught up in extreme things because, you know, people that usually get things, people that get things done, people that make things happen are usually extremists <laughs> because we're sold this weird idea about, you know, moderation and balance and harmony. And really those things are important, but most of the time they just keep people sort of stuck in mediocrity and stuck in complacency because, you know, it is extreme to most people to exercise every day. You know, most Americans would say, oh, it's so extreme. You don't really need to do that. Or to only eat organic food is extreme to a lot of people. And the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. So in reality, you know, we all kind of have this inherent drive. So sometimes that can get sort of hijacked by external sources, external authorities, which sort of give us this idea of, oh, I'm not good enough, or oh, I'm broken, and oh, I need to be fixed. And this is important to, important to look at and realize for one really major reason, and that is regardless of what happens, we're always going to be in the middle. Mm. Meaning there, there's never going to be a time in our life where everything is perfect. There's never going to be a time in our life where we don't have some sort of thing that is annoying or something we wish we could change. Like it doesn't matter. Like every human being sees where they are, turns around, looks about where they looks at where they used to be, and then comes back to where they are now and then looks forward and says, man, I really just wish I was there. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the human predicament. So when we can understand that, like, well, it really doesn't matter what I do because I'm inherently going to be in the same place all the time. And I'm always going to have something that I want to fix or change and just sort of accept that and love that and not necessarily have the anxiety about it, but just accept that, oh, that's just how life actually is. Right. You know, life wants to move. We want to move. And then another point that I would add to that is the value of teachers, the value of mentors and people that have a deep ability to really see us 
not so much for like our conditioning in our self image and our identity, but really more of who we were when we were born, meaning like kind of our birthright or our initial constitution prior to all of the social conditioning and distortion. So having people like that in our lives is massively valuable and because these, these sorts of people have a lot of really unique and interesting characteristics that are pretty valuable to look for. And I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about like what defines someone like this and how to determine. Because, for example, you know, I could make a video and talk about how Chinese medicine and acupuncture is amazing and did X, Y, and Z for me and how I had all of these experiences. So then the likely occurrence after that is someone's going to watch and be like, oh, i got to get acupuncture. They're going to look up someone in their local area. And then odds are that practitioner in their local area is probably going to be mediocre. They probably went to a westernized, sort of diluted, homogenized, pasteurized sort of TCM acupuncture school here in America. And they probably paid a lot of money for that. But what they were given was a pretty distorted version of what the real thing is. So then people go and they have an experience and say, well, I didn't really notice anything. Maybe acupuncture is really not that good. So really the point of what I'm saying here is that just regardless of what the, the field is, there are certain characteristics that really define what makes like a good practitioner. And most of the time these people are pretty rare and takes a little bit of effort to find them. And, but when we do, it's inherently and massively valuable. And for me, that's one of the most transformational things that I've been fortunate to do over the last couple of years is just have mentors and teachers and people that don't really tell me what to do. Don't say, Oh, here's where you're wrong. Here's where you're right. right. They more so just have a certain presence and frame things in a way that allows me to make better decisions. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I said they hold space for you. Um, and I think, I think you, I want to touch on two things that you said there. I think, um, you're in your first point where you talk about kind of how life is just a big, like thing of ups and downs and, um, and call it nostalgia, call it the human condition or whatever. But, um, I really found this too, that you really want to just love the moment you're in because I find, you know, um, it can be the, the crappiest situation ever, but somehow I'll, you know, a year later, a month later, a week later, I find myself nostalgic for that moment. And <laughs> yeah. it's funny how that happens because um, I think that's the perfect example of kind of what you're saying is that um, every situation is either a lesson or it happens as you as you wanted it to. So I mean, I think just really being present with that and just kind of taking that into your life and saying, you know, you never know if you're going to be nostalgic for this very moment. So just kind of go with that and be present in it. I think that's huge. And then also what you said about um about having those those people in your life, those healers, those coaches, you know, whether it's a coach or with Reiki or a doctor or whatever, um, having someone hold space for you and really have that like healing care, I think is actually really crucial. I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Dr. Lisa Rankin's work um, and her 
her book, but I was actually just listening to a podcast with her and um, she was talking a lot about the placebo effect and how, yeah. um, how it works and blah, blah, blah. And, and her main point was that like, it's not just the sugar pill. It's not just the people in these studies thinking they were getting this medicine. It was also the fact that there were real people holding space for them, wanting them to heal and like putting that energy out in the world of the, you know, the doctors and the nurses or whoever it was, it was their energy and their like goodness that they were like exuding out of them. That was actually crucial for the result that happened in the study. So I just thought that was really interesting. And, um, and in my own life was something that I was healing as soon as I got honest and like shared it with my inner circle of closest friends and, and people around me, that's when I could like really start healing. And, um, and, and I think that that sense of honesty and just having people in your life, whether it's in like a professional capacity or just being able to get really honest with the people who you trust, I think is, is really crucial. So, um, so anyways, this is just this has been awesome so far. I have not asked one question um, on my <laughs> list, and this may be the longest podcast ever. Also, with the first male and longest two records in one podcast, but um, nice. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, I think we've we've touched on some really good stuff. So um, so so yeah, I guess the next thing I want to do is really just kind of, and we can talk more about that too, but. Um, I'd like to just kind of zoom the lens out and kind of um, get more information about you and kind of how you got started on your health journey and how you got started with herbs in the first place. Do you want to just kind of tell us um, about that? Take us back with your bio and history? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say we could start the story probably when I was a teenager. Um, as when I grew up all the way till when I graduated high school, I was always very active and very athletic and played a whole amount of different sports all at the same time. So pretty much full year round, I was playing a different sport, track, cross country, baseball, basketball, soccer. Then on top of that, just playing like football and other things. Busy guy. Yeah, I mean, I just had a naturally sort of athletic body, and that sort of thing always came pretty easy to me, and I just enjoyed it and had a lot of energy for it, even though at the time I was, of course, resisting it <laughs> as a child because all I wanted to do was, you know, watch TV and play video games and whatever. So I'm lucky that, you know, I was really active as a child and as a teenager because that's really allowed me to develop a lot of things, you know, especially running long distances really will test your willpower and your ability to just do something. Now, obviously, I don't really, I'm not really into it anymore. I think it's a little sadistic and a little bit sort of uh, mean, but I definitely appreciate the experiences that I had. So that was one piece of the equation. And then as I matured and got older through, you know, junior high and high school, I just noticed that I was really depressed and anxious most of the time and just really felt lost and detached and just sort of in a pretty negative space most of the time and uh, didn't really understand why, didn't have any answers, didn't have any solutions. And of course, 
you know, the modern paradigm had no real, or the modern mainstream paradigm had no real insight or guidance for me other than like, Oh, here's medication. Oh, here's drugs. I'm like, that's, that's a waste of time, (laughs) which my health journey started, I guess you could say when I was in probably, uh, seventh, seventh or eighth grade. And I used to get headaches a lot. I used to get really bad migraines is what I called them where my head would just hurt really, 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 really bad. And there was like nothing I could do. So of course parents are like, Oh, well we got to take you to the doctor. Doctor says, Oh yeah, you got headaches, huh? Okay. I think they did, uh, I don't know if they even did any testing or whatever. It was just like, well, I'm going to go ahead and write you a prescription for this medication and uh, come back and see me in two weeks. Let me know how it goes. And that whole ordeal, the whole time I spent with the doctor was probably less than five minutes. Okay. <laughs> just sort of walked in and was like, oh, got headaches, huh? Here you go. Boom, done. So oh, then I was like, okay. You know, went about my life, you know, took the pills, nothing happened. And then I realized, like, man... That whole ordeal was kind of stupid. Like I didn't, I didn't have the language or really the vocabulary or the understanding at that time to understand it. But something about it was just pretty, honestly, just ignorant to me. But you know, going back and knowing what I know now and looking back, I can understand that maybe it had something to do with the fact that I hated most of my life. I hated school. I hated going to school. I hated waking up early. I ate pop tarts and Gatorade for breakfast every day. I had fast food for lunch, and I probably had some sort of junk for dinner. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, that's why I had headaches, obviously, all of these different factors. But, you know, a, a doctor couldn't figure that out. You know, someone who spent who knows how much money and went to school for how long couldn't just tell me, yeah, dude, maybe you should not eat Pop-Tarts and Gatorade every day. Maybe you should learn how to relax. Maybe you should go to bed at a better time and not stay up late and wake up early. Like all these simple, obvious factors. So, but anyways, that was the first experience. So really, I mean, it, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was the, it was the first experience that made me sort of question that system, and then just observing the experience of my family members. You know, them going through their different things and seeing what happened and whatever. And realizing that most of the time, nothing really got better. (laughs) Oftentimes it just got worse or it just kind of changed or got covered up. Or they just got dependent on more and more drugs. So anyways, fast forward. When I graduated high school, I think I was about 18. um, I started lifting weights because I was just kind of tired of sports. So I was like, I want to stay active, so I'm going to lift weights. So I ended up putting on about 40 pounds. Uh, My usual body weight is around like 140, 145. I ended up getting up to around 180, which for my frame is not good because, again, I have a naturally lean, slender build, which is why I was able to just run and be comfortable at it and not really worry about it because I just have that natural body type. So... You know, years and years of emotional crap and then years of just feeling terrible physically being overweight just sort of made me realize one day, like, maybe I need to do something different. (laughs) Maybe uh, this is not working. Maybe I'm just ill-equipped to deal with these things. 
So about that time, uh, I started uh, smoking weed pretty much every day. <laughs> and uh, that sort of opened up a couple of different doors for me. The first was that I remember when my parents found out that I was smoking and they were like, oh, don't you know it's a drug? Don't you know it's really bad for you? And, you know, at that point, I, I of course, like, read up all the information about hemp and weed and the history of marijuana and, like, I knew all the facts. So I kind of gave them the download about the real story. And then I was like, you're getting mad at me because I'm smoking a plant, but look at your medicine cabinet. You have, like, 30 bottles of drugs, which are deadly, in your cabinet, but you're yelling at me. And I was like, let's just take a look at that. And I sort of just left the room. And that was kind of the last conversation we had about it. But really, that conversation isn't the point. The point is it made me realize, like, hmm, this is a plant. I was like, I'm, I'm taking a plant, and it's making me feel different. And at that point, I was sort of buying into this modern mainstream idea that, like, oh, well, what you eat doesn't matter. You know, plants are just stupid plants. You know, food is just what comes out of a factory or what comes out of, a, you know, the freezer and then I made me realize, like, wait, this plant is making me feel different. I wonder if other plants can make me feel different. <laughs> so then I just coincidentally was working at a library at the time. And I started reading books about yoga and nutrition and juicing and this whole thing. So I just got really into juicing, started getting into organic food, started doing yoga, and you know, lost a bunch of weight, felt a lot better. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool you know I'm like trying new things and doing new things and feeling way better and really from those initial experiences it all just really snowballed and did like one you know one step after the other and really through that you know I got into all different variations of diets and fasting and cleansing and yogas and meditations a whole myriad of different things from the span of you know the age of like 20 to about where I am now, uh, which I'm 29. So in that, in combination with the fact that when I get into something, I'm pretty much 150% into it obsessively. So that's just kind of how my mind works. I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> so I just really you know, got into it and uh, had a lot of experiences, some good, some bad, um, some excellent, some underwhelming. But that's more or less just what led me to where I am now. And just really in a nutshell, I just honestly felt terrible physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And honestly, I wasn't very smart. I wasn't very intelligent. wasn't very motivated. I was shy. I was anxious. I was angry. I was antisocial. It was a whole lot of things that I'm not really anymore. <laughs> right. Um, it's funny to even hear you say that because... Right now, you know, YouTube's your greatest platform and you've seen none of those things. So um, clearly that this, this stuff is working for you. It was really interesting to hear that story. Thanks for, um, for sharing and, and being so authentic there. But um, I guess when did you, I'm curious, um, when kind of that happened as your health journey, when did you decide to make it your career? And, um, and can you kind of talk us through that? Uh, yeah, I think the first career thing probably started with the, the tonic bar. And before the tonic bar, I worked at a juice bar. And really, 
as my personality was at the time, I really didn't have the ability to talk about anything other than what I was passionate about or what I was like into or excited about. So I just sort of was always talking about whatever I was into and started to accumulate a lot of information because while I was working on my health, I was also working at increasing my intelligence and actually becoming smarter because prior to that time, I was not not very bright and didn't really (laughs) have a lot of the flexibility that I have now. Um, So that was probably like 2005 or six when it all really started to, to take off. Um, and then at that time, honestly, I had no idea about real like business or money or any of those things. I pretty much just jumped in and had to learn all that stuff <laughs> uh, along the way. You know, I'm still learning that stuff. I'm still learning every day and going through different growing pains and different, you know, things that I have to break through to get to the next level. It's the same process. It's just kind of in a different format. Um, but honestly, it was... I think I knew I wanted to work for myself probably when I was a child. And then the first day of my first job, I I said to myself, this sucks. I never want to have a job again. And then uh, coincidentally, I think I was fired from pretty much every job that I ever had. (laughs) And I just was never good at being an employee or like working for people. Um, so I just pretty much can't really have a job or can't really work for someone. So it was really a culmination of a lot of different things that led me to that place. And then especially like once I was in college and like really looking at things and talking to people, I just saw how it really was, wasn't for me and just how it just was not in alignment with the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to live and the kind of things that I wanted to do. So I think it's it's not really about choosing to do X, Y, or Z. It's just more so like this is what was right for me from when I was born. And I'm just choosing to accept it and try to express it as best as I possibly can. Right on. That I mean, that's amazing. And that, I think that's um, that's definitely my goal. And I think that it's a lot of people's goals, but um, there's a lot of fear there that holds people back from doing that. So, so that's really awesome um, that that you're doing it. Um, and then, so why did you decide to use YouTube as your main platform to connect with your audience? <laughs> um, well, I think I started reading some books and just sort of looking at the internet from a sociological point of view. Because when I was in, one of the things that I studied in school was a lot of sociology, a lot of psychology. And I've always had a strong interest in computers and technology and the increasing exponential growth of technology. So I just had a kind of like a deep philosophical reverence for computers and the internet and how it's really changed human consciousness. So I just started started seeing the direction that the internet was going and the world was going, and just started seeing that that YouTube was probably the best way to do it. 
secondary to that would be the fact that I'm a much better speaker than I am a writer. Meaning I could most of the time just pick a topic and talk about it forever. I mean, for hours, most of the time, like it doesn't even matter. Um, I can just sort of say, okay, this is what I want to do. Boom. And just talk and for a long time. So video was kind of the obvious choice and obviously audio podcasts because to sit down and write a blog post just is not very effective for me. I can do it. I can write and write pretty well, but it's just not as effective for me because it's just sort of my inherent strengths. Right. So I would rather spend time working on my strengths than trying to waste my energy being better at things that I'm not really that good at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my my greatest mentor, Gabrielle Bernstein, says I. She just said this in a um, in a lecture I was listening to, and she was saying, you know, talking about her own experience, and she does a weekly video blog, and she was saying, you know, I can write a blog post. I've written a couple books. I can do it, but I love speaking expertly on a topic. And yep. when I heard that, I was just like. Oh yeah, me too. You know, and and I and that's why I love doing this podcast and I love this platform and I think so many people um you know, do the things that they can do, but I think it, our society would be in such a better place if more people did what they loved to do. And I think um that's really cool what you said there about YouTube. Um because it's true. I think it it gives people a way to do that. Um if speaking is their thing. So and I guess this kind of leads in nicely to another question I wanted to ask you down the line. But um, with technology, and you said you kind of have a um, a love for that and are interested in it. Um, and I know you have a video on this, which I really liked. So I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could talk a little bit about, um, you know, in our 21st century fast-paced world, this kind of pressure cooker we're all in here, yeah. Um, how do you personally and any tips for everybody else stay balanced with so much coming at us from a million different angles? Well, I think first off, I should say that, you know, I'm a human being <laughs> living in this world too. So uh, at many times I've been just as guilty, if not more guilty than a lot of other people. And the only reason that I was able to arrive at a certain points of view that I may have expressed in the video was because I went through it in my own experience and felt the effects in my body. And I can sort of just look back over the course of my life in the last maybe six years and just observe how my mind has changed and observe how my consciousness has changed and how my thought patterns have changed and kind of the overall state of my mind and nervous system has shifted as a result of these technologies. So I have a kind of a slightly more broad perspective on it because of that. Um, and I think to stay balanced with it and to use it to the best of its ability, it's important to understand maybe three different things. The first is that it's a tool, you know, your, our smartphones and the internet and our laptops and Facebook and Twitter and all these things are tools. And just like any other tool, it can be used or misused. It can be something which is something that controls us and dominates us, or it can be something that we master and use to the best of our ability. And something that I see a lot 
with these tools now is people are really just controlled by them. They're really just completely hypnotized by them and so dominated that they're frying their nervous systems. They're really decreasing their attention spans. They are really wrecking their adrenals and setting themselves up for a lot of issues down the line. But the problem is that a lot of times people don't have an anchored sense of calm and balance. So they don't even know really when they're feeling stressed and unbalanced because they don't have that comparison to go back and forth. So one thing I've worked on a lot in the last couple of years is anchoring calm and balance. So when I get out of that and I feel the way these things affect my nervous system, it's pretty offensive and it's pretty gross. So understanding those things is important. And another thing that I notice a lot is people just being very sort of narcissistic and pretty shallow in how they use the tools. But again, it's just a tool. So it's it's about the individual coming back to themselves and saying like, well, you know, what am I really doing? What do I really want to do with this? What do I really want to create? What do I really want to express? Because we are empowered to share and and spread information. But what information are we spreading? What energy are we spreading? What paradigm are we putting out there? Those are important questions to ask. Also, for me, I think less is more. <laughs> so I think that could be the second thing we can look at is really getting discerning about what information we do take in and really being okay with missing out on things and not being up to date with things and not not really responding and buying into this whole weird feedback loop that we're into. Because, you know, let's say five years ago, if you called someone or texted or emailed someone and you didn't hear back for like, I don't know, a day, it was all right. You know, it wasn't a big deal. Now people text or email and they're like, it's been like two hours. I haven't heard back. I don't understand what the deal is. (laughs) Like, what are they doing? Are they ignoring me or something? Like, what's the deal? Are they dead? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that feedback loop has really, really shortened. But it's up to us to be like, well, do I want to participate in that? Do I want to be chained and enslaved to this device? Which leads to the third point, which is setting up parameters, setting up designated times to do things. For example, checking email at certain times during the day, checking test messages and voicemail at certain times during the day, having our phone away from us and on silent when we're trying to do something. When we're hanging out with friends, put on airplane mode or turn it off or put it away or put it in a different room and just hang out with our friends. If we're watching a movie, put the phone away, turn it off or do something. Or if we're working on a project, same thing, turn it off, put it away. And learn to single task as much as possible and learn to actually do one thing at a time as much as possible and realize that most of the time it's not important. Most of the time, it's just trivial or filling time. And the fourth thing that we can look at is that a lot of times we spin our wheels thinking we're getting things done when in reality, we're just sort of reacting. So like people get this kind of a sense of accomplishment of like oh, catching up on emails or catching up on blogs or Facebook or text messages or voicemails. But most of the time, that's not really getting us any closer to our goals or getting us any closer to really making a difference in our in our world. So those are all important things to keep in mind because technology isn't going away. 
it isn't going to get any less impactful in our life. And really what we need to do is realize what it is and how we can use it to the best of our ability and be conscious when we're doing that. And just learn to start to be okay with not, you know, being so caught up in the rat race. Like if there's something that's really important, we'll know about it. And learning to just sort of eliminate and minimize and just sort of have less and less of these things in our lives because like I said, they're only going to get more and it's only going to be more like encroaching on our life. Right. I think being present, um, is just the key for, for a lot of this and, and technology can really be a hindrance to that. So, um, so I think, wow, you gave us a lot of great tools to kind of deal with that. I can't wait to listen to this podcast again for, for many of the, the tips you've given, but especially on that. I think that was really cool. Yeah, also um, one thing that I would add yeah. that's pretty high leverage is um, deciding within a certain period of before bedtime. So like, let's say you go to bed at midnight. Definitely. Start, say, like at 10 p.m., computer is off. No emails, no Facebook, cell phone is off, no text messages, no voicemails, no like staring at screens, being all stressed and sort of creating that buffer. And then also when we wake up in the morning, you know, I'm sure a lot of people wake up in the morning. The first thing they do, check email, check the phone. And honestly, I'm as guilty as that of anyone. And I work to minimize that and I work to step away from that as much as I can and, you know, I get it. These habits are hard to break. And I think people will notice a huge difference if they just say, okay, if you wake up at 9 a.m., just say, all right, no email, no voicemails, no nothing until, you know, 11 or 10 or noon, like whatever we can reasonably do. Because, like, you know, I understand that we have jobs and you know, we have relationships. We have things that we might have to do. But it's setting up a buffer of time. We consciously decide that, okay, I'm leaving this away. So instead of like immediately waking up and going to the voicemail or text message or email, wake up, drink some water, relax, you know, just kind of chill, meditate for a little bit, breathe for a little bit, write, read, just like do things that are a little more relaxed because that's going to set the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you brought that up because one of the things I always ask on this podcast, and I'm still going to ask you, but um, is to talk about um, your morning and evening routines to really, you know, inspire people and, and kind of see what works for you. And and that's something, personally, I just, I just wrote a blog post about this, actually, but not checking email in the morning has, first thing, has, like, drastically changed my life. And for yeah. me, for me, it's... Um, I find that, and some people aren't like this, but I find I'm most creative and I, I like to do my creative projects in the morning. Yeah. And um, for me, starting the day with meditation and moving the body, whether it's yoga or a walk or whatever, is really great. And then also I like to um, to do my creative projects first thing or just start the day with something that I'm passionate about. And I think that that's really great because it's so true, right? You know, you, you look at that email, you refresh the email on your phone even, and it's like, you're done. You know, you get sucked in so easily with that. So, um, I think that's like an amazing radical tip that, um, that if, if people take in their life, you know, it's, it's, it could be like an herb, you know, it really will 
really will drastically yeah, change. I think if people really want to have some sort of like life changing or like psychological tonic to really activate and utilize that time to the best of that ability, people can start a manifestation list or a gratitude list of some kind. And basically just take a piece of paper, write the things that they either have that they're grateful for and or write the things that they want that they're grateful for and just read it and just like read over it and focus on it. Mm. Just play with it for five, ten minutes, you know, at night and then first thing in the morning. And that can be pretty powerful as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's and I've talked about this before on here, too. So um, but it's it's funny that you bring that up, too, because that's a lot like my practice that I do before bed. And I, I've said this before, like I said, but I write down five things I'm grateful for before I go to sleep or um, three things that went well that day because it's so true that a lot of times we go to bed with that energy of, oh my God, what do I have to do tomorrow? What's on my to-do list? Blah, 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 blah. But if you can, like you said, that I love that, that manifestation list or um, the gratitude list. If we can go to bed with that energy and then again wake up with just a little bit of gratitude. First thing when you wake up, um, you know, thank you for this bed. Thank you for sleeping. Thank you for, you know, the sun coming up again. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a way awesome way to start the day better than, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? Stress, stress, stress right into it. So, um, I think those are some really, really like practical things people can take with them into their daily lives for sure. Um, and speaking of the practical, I guess it's so funny how the time has just like flown with you. I'm looking at the at the clock right now and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we're not following that that rule for the computer tonight, but there's just so much more I um <laughs> I wanted to ask you. Sure. But um but I guess the the next thing, really kind of getting personal and talking about health a little bit, um since with you and your experience, um what are, um, how do you feed yourself and support yourself now with supplements and herbs and tonics on a daily basis to kind of function optimally? Could you kind of walk us through the what you're doing um, for your personal dosha or body type or whatever and um, knowing that that won't work for everyone but just maybe some overarching tips there? Yeah, um kind of a big question <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a lot there um so i guess dietary wise i eat kind of a paleo sort of diet um as that just works really well for my my constitution and my metabolism or whatever um and as far as like herbs and stuff uh really into more just like balancing adaptogens. Um, so for me, where I'm at now, I'm more into things that are kind of calming and nutritive. So things like, you know, goji berry or lyceum, things like gynostemma, reishi mushroom, things more along that line. So typically, I usually just wake up in the morning, have some, some spring water, and then kind of just chill for a little bit, maybe take some supplements with that. And then have breakfast. And then one major component for... What's your typical breakfast? Um, usually like eggs cooked in some way and vegetables. Nice. 
with fermented foods. So fermented foods are pretty, pretty big for me. I try to have some sauerkraut or some fermented vegetable and or kombucha with pretty much every meal. So that's kind of yeah. a big thing. And, you know, pretty much most of my diet is really simple and really basic and just pretty much protein and vegetables and then sauerkraut and fermented foods and then high quality, healthy fats. And then, you know, as far as supplements and a side of probiotics. <laughs> and as far as like supplements go, um, I usually do like one or two scoops of whey protein every day. And then I have some like uh, rice sprouts or tocotrinols that I take. And that's that's pretty much it. I don't really do that much anymore. I keep it pretty simple, pretty basic. Yeah. Uh, because really more so where my focus is these days is more Qigong based or working with my body and learning to sort of adjust energy with my mind or my state less so or more so than perhaps taking something externally. Um, that's just really where I've gotten to at this point and what's most appropriate for my constitution and kind of where my balance is. I don't really hit heavy herbs all the time. It's more so about, for me, just things that are balancing and sort of soothing and and supportive rather than things that are real stimulating or things that really get you going. It's that sort of thing because I don't really, I don't really need that. I don't really require that anymore. <laughs> most of the time, I need a little less energy. I need to calm down a little bit more. Um, so for me, most, more of my focus is just calming the mind and letting go of mental things to get more anchored in the body. And I find that the more I'm able to do that, the more my state just becomes more balanced. So that's that's really more so where my yeah. focus is. And, um, you know, I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have a schedule. I don't have a job. I don't have a commute. I don't have all these stressors that most people have. But I do have a whole host of stresses that most people don't have. But in the sense that like, I don't necessarily have time schedules and constraints, I can sort of just wake up when I want, eat when I want, work out, do these sorts of things. So I'm able to just sort of be a little bit more flexible with, you know, what's right for my body. Because, you know, a lot of times in the past, I was really ramping myself up and getting myself stimulated and amped to deal with a bunch of crap that I really didn't want to deal with or didn't need to deal with in the first place. So that was a lot of my motivation for like, oh, I need to take this or take that or do this or do that. Whereas now I'm just more so about really cultivating certain states, certain energies that really repel off these other things and these other stressors and don't make them really matter as much. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think a lot of that was really, really great and really great for our listeners to hear, you know, that there's so many different diets and different things. And I really liked what you said, you know, paleo works for you. That's not going to work for everybody. It may not work for me. It may not work for the person who's listening, but I love to find out what is working for all these different people because I know there's so many different body types listening to this, and I think that it's really cool for people to see all these different options that there are, and there's not one book for everybody, not one roadmap for everybody, but it's really, like you said, 
tuning into your body enough to know, enough to know what is working and what's making you feel balanced and what's making you feel good and just really being in tune with that. Um, and I think that's really awesome. So I guess my next question um, for you, um, talking about herbs. So for someone just getting into this um, who hasn't really um, worked with tonics or herbs before, what would be your suggestion for someone wanting to get started? How would you coach someone with that? Uh, I would say just start off with gynostemma or holy basil. Those are both herbs that are pretty cheap and taste pretty good and are really easy to use. And they're both really balanced in that they can work for a lot of people. So those are usually the best two like starting things because they're not really going to throw people in one direction or the other. They're just more so going to be more calming and balancing. Um, and things like holy basil, I mean, most people can go to Whole Foods or like their local health food store and buy organic India holy basil tea and start off with that. Uh, likewise, people can get gynostemma from my website for like 25 bucks for an 8-ounce bag, which is literally like months and months and months and months worth of tea for like a really cheap price. Um, but Ganostema and Holy Basil are both really amazing tonic herbs that uh, really help modulate the stress response and calm down the adrenals and really just help people feel a bit more calm and embodied. Yeah. So just to be really clear about those two, is it best to have those... Um two herbs and tea and how often would you recommend um, having that type of tea? I mean I would say the easiest and the cheapest way is just to get those two things and make a tea. So just like you would make green tea, you heat up the water and then you steep those things for like 10 minutes, strain it off and drink it. You know you can add sweetener if you need to or you know honey or stevia or whatever but they both taste pretty darn good so most people like need it. Those are definitely options. But those things, you know, you can drink it at least once a day. But really, these things are pretty nutritive. Um, and they're pretty much foods in the sense that you can drink about as much as you want throughout the day and it really doesn't matter. So you just kind of like pay attention. And like if you feel like drinking it three times a day, then have three cups a day. It's, it's really totally fine with those herbs because they're not so aggressive they're not going to throw you you know one direction they're both just going to be really balancing depending on when you drink it so people notice that they drink it in the morning they kind of feel calm but energized they drink it at night they feel relaxed and calm and ready to kind of chill out and go to bed nice yeah that's my favorite thing about it, it really meets you where you're at and you know find gives you what you need whatever that is i think that's really cool um, yeah so i would i would just recommend starting with that and just work with those for a while. And really the main thing that we want to develop is just, number one, the habit of taking herbs regularly. And number two, the, the reflex in the body to experiencing those states and experiencing those nutrients that are found in those herbs. Because if you never had something, how can you miss it? You know, if your body's never had gynostemma or never had goji berries, how is it going to ever crave it? Mm -hmm. So those are those are two important components and keys to really keep in mind. And that's why I like cheaper and simpler is better to start off. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I hadn't heard before. That's that's really cool. Um, you recommend neem oil um, for a lot of things, including <laughs> topically um, like cold sores and pimples and blemishes. Um, and I just watched a video of you talking about this. So could you tell us a little bit about your experience with that? And um, is that something... Um, that's only used as an internal or an external remedy for skin issues, or do you recommend something um, internal, like a special like skin clearing tonic or anything like that? Uh, yeah, neem definitely would be more of an external usage. I mean, there are people that do take it internally, but I don't think it's really necessary or appropriate. It's actually it can be kind of aggressive taken internally. So for anyone who breaks out or anyone who does have cold sores, this is an absolute like <laughs> revolutionary thing that you need to have all the time. Now, I, I personally don't get cold sores. I don't have that thing. And I usually don't get pimples. But if I ever do get a pimple, as soon as I feel it, I just put neem on it. And that usually knocks it out pretty quickly. Also, I've, I have friends that get cold sores. And one of my friends actually got to the point to where they just, they don't break out anymore. But they used to break out like once a month or twice a month. Now it's like never for, you know, six to 12 months, 18 months longer. They just have no breakouts. And that's through, you know, adjusting their diet, getting their immune system back in check and, you know, the usual sort of healthy lifestyle things that really has a lot to do with the immune system. But getting back to neem, like pretty much this is a must have for any household, for any medicine cabinet, because it's such a powerful thing to use topically. Even if you get a cut, if you get, you know, something that might get infected or you have an infection or you have, you know, fungal conditions or eczema or rashes and things like that. It's just something that is really pretty epic in <laughs> what it can do for those sorts of things. Um, and then getting into internal things, I think for skin issues, a lot of the time it's fungal and it has to do with like autoimmune conditions. So one thing that people need to understand is, you know, we're more bacteria than we are human cells and we're raised in a culture which is really obsessed with pasteurization and homogenation and antibacterial this and that. And we don't really understand balance. We don't really understand symbiosis. We don't really understand life in, a, in the way that it actually functions most of the time. So, for example, people take antibiotics. People think, oh, God, i got to do antibiotic for this or do that. Or maybe we had a time in our life when we were a little less educated, a little more naive, and we took a lot of antibiotics. Well, antibiotics kill bacteria, as we all know. Yeah, what people don't realize is that, you know, people say, oh, well, yeah, it kills all of your bad, it kills all of your bad bacteria, but also kills all of your good bacteria. People kind of get that once they understand a little bit more. One thing people don't get is that what breaks down bacteria, what decomposes bacteria, you know, it's not like the bacteria dies and then your body just magically disappears. No, it has to be broken down and eliminated. Well, what does that? Yeast, fungus. That's the biological role of fungus is to break things down and transform them. 
So it's cool. Yeah, you just took all these antibiotics. Cool, you killed all this bacteria, but you also just opened the door for a whole bunch of yeast <laughs> to get rid of the bacteria. Yeah. So people really live that kind of lifestyle, and they drink tap water, and they don't take probiotics in the right ways, and they eat a standard American diet, and the list goes on and on and on and on. So most people walk around with a whole host of organisms and bacteria that aren't really that keen on life and health. <laughs> so the, the main thing that can really work wonders is getting on a long-term program of eliminating the things that are dysbiotic and enhancing and adding in the things that are probiotic. And it takes time, it takes energy, it's not going to be an overnight thing, although people do often report really great results in the short term. So that in combination with eating the right fats and you know things like coconut oil and you know olive oil, olive, avocado oil, high quality fish oils, ghee and you know whatever you know nuts and seeds these sorts of things that are actually healthy for the body because you know trans fats and fried oils and most of the mainstream oils those things are usually solid <laughs> Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week. But until then, let's also. stay inspired and keep this conversation uh, so going. What so tweet is, at me uh, at KBJLBout and our guest with your aha moment with this conversation. And so like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook. So we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland. Congestion in the body, which that is the sort of thing that bacteria and dysbiotic organisms love because that's where they want to live. So obviously moving and massaging and getting these areas in movement is a good idea. Eating better is a good idea and probably getting on probiotic foods and lifestyle habits is also a good idea. Uh, going further, this person can also look at things that have to do with like self-esteem and self-worth and self kind of identity issues. Sometimes that can have a lot to do with, uh, you know, things on the skin, but really once we get to the emotional piece, it has a bit more to do with each individual person's experience in the story they tell themselves in their head about how the world is and how they fit in it. But just from a purely nutritional point of view, I think those few things we talked about would probably be a good starting point for someone to, uh, start to make positive shifts. Yeah, for sure. Um, getting back, thats I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people um, because it is something that so many people can relate to and have, even if they don't struggle with it, maybe daily something that comes up in their life that they'd like to fix. And so I think that that'll be really helpful to um, a lot of people, like I said. Um, getting back to you, though, and, um, and your experience, how do you hear your intuition, um, that voice inside you, how do you hear that? Where And when do you hear that the loudest? Um, and how do you remind yourself to kind of follow that voice? Um, for me, it's more of like a gut sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's not really uh, from my head. It's more from my gut uh, and or like a flash of insight or kind of a feeling. That's usually where it comes from. And for me, it's really more so 
kind of becoming ignorant and stupid in a sense, meaning ignorant in the sense of ignoring external inputs and being stupid in the sense of lessening my inputs, meaning lessening the amount of media and things that I consume that usually just add more clutter and confusion. Nice. So those are a couple of the strategies. Um, but really, that's that's how it works for me, and that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, for sure. I think that's helpful. Um, so one of the last questions I have for you, um, where do you see general holistic health and wellness in 10 years? And, and where would you like to see it? I mean, I see it pretty much the same as most other industries. In the sense that, uh, well, there's this principle, the 80-20 principle, the Pareto principle, which says that you know 80% of our results come from 20% of our efforts. Likewise, you could say that in any given industry, most everything is crap, but a very small percentage is really good. Um, that's that's I'm not making that up. I'm not really just like on a soapbox, people can look at Pareto principle or the 80-20 principle and see that that's more or less a natural thing in, in the world. And we can apply it to a lot of different things. So that's kind of how I see it. And I think we can look at most industries and realize that there's usually certain people that are trailblazers and that kind of do their own thing. And there's a lot of people that just try to catch up and copy them and try to do what they're doing. And people just... There's kind of copycats. For example, you know, there's a whole lot of health people out there right now on YouTube and Facebook and the whole internet sphere that basically just are like David Wolf clones. You know, they watched a bunch of David Wolf videos, they read a bunch of David Wolf stuff, <laughs> and they just basically repeat whatever he says. Change their middle name to a fruit. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, well, that's what you got to do. I mean... <laughs> But, so, I mean, I think as much as things change, as much as they stay the same. So, you know, in the holistic health field, there's a lot of practitioners that are really good and are really amazing. But most of the time, they have little or nothing to do with the quote-unquote holistic health field because they're usually too busy doing their own thing to, like, really be involved with all of the the sort of obligation that comes with being involved in a in a thing or a niche or a community or an industry. And that's just really been my experience. Every amazing practitioner, body worker, teacher that I've ever known or come in contact with, they they really don't have time for a lot of these things that a lot of people spend their time on because they're too busy like getting things done and doing things. They're too busy doing that to like worry about <laughs> trivial details a lot of the time. So long story short, the industry is growing at a massive rate. And there's just going to be a lot of crap that's going to come out, just like there already has been. And there's going to be a lot of good things that will come out too. And it's just up to each person to be able to filter and realize like what's good and what's appropriate and what's helpful. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest way to do that is just educating yourself as much as you can. And that's kind of the greatest tool to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I think deprogramming a lot of this weird uh, fear-based stuff is 
for the best because once you kind of deprogram those things, you can start to see them for what they are and see when other people are using them. And then you're just not really attracted to it. You just don't buy into it. Right. Just right. kind of see it for what it is and, you know, move on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. Um, okay. Well, cool. Well, the last um, big question I have for you before we do a couple quick fire questions to wrap is, is so as you know, the name of um, my blog is The Wellness Wonderland um, and, and this podcast. And I want to ask you, what, what does that mean to you? What does living in a wellness wonderland mean to you? Uh, for me, I think it's more about authenticity and honest self-expression. Mm. Because people think that it's really easy to honestly express yourself. But people think it's easy because they're not doing it. Right. So I think that's really what it comes down to for me. Because for because health and wellness is really kind of a relative made-up illusory concept. For example, there's a lot of people that I've known and seen that eat what we would consider crap. They smoke, they drink, they party. They don't take care of themselves, but they live a long time and they're really healthy and they're really happy. And there's people that I've known that maybe they're 75 years old, they've smoked and drank and partied their whole life, and all of a sudden they get cancer. The doctors are like, do you want to do chemo? And they're like, nah, I don't want to do it. Then they end up living another 15, 20 years (laughs) with cancer and smoking and drinking and partying and Mm -hmm. not eating well. And they're fine, they're happy, they're healthy. You know, there's people on the planet right now that are 120 years old that smoke cigarettes and drink and eat fried food and eat cooked food and eat meat and do all these things that supposedly we think are bad, but they do it. And they do it all the time. They've done it their whole lives. But they're really healthy and they're really happy. So to me, those sorts of anomalies really are valuable to look at because... It's good to just question things and really start to look at, well, what is really making the difference? What is really shifting things? What is like that 20% that really makes the difference? So that's kind of really a bit more of where I'm at right now. Um, And for me, that's what I think wellness means (laughs) in kind of a long roundabout way. Yeah, no, I really like that. And I I loved your answer. And I think um, the biggest thing kind of I take away from that is, as I, I think about that a lot too. Man, I mean, you know, these these things that, that I do every day that, that I love and I'm clear clearly I have a passion for this, as do you, but but um but there's people who, who don't, who it's not their thing and they're just fine. And it really goes to show that like what you think is so much more important than anything you do or drink or eat or anything. You know, it's it's really our thoughts are, are really our biggest um, our biggest friend or enemy, and I think that's that's kind of has a lot to do with what you were saying there. So cool. Well, this has been absolutely awesome. Um, I want to wrap with just a couple quick fire questions, but sure. I thought I would leave you um, with a challenge. Are you up for it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Some homework, perhaps, for um, the Wellness Wonderland. Sure, I'll see what I can do. Okay, cool. Well, I was wondering if you would 
create for us a little tonic um, for me and Wonderland. Um, something that would just kind of promote an authentic, balanced, passionate, inspired life. Um, and we will put that in the blog post with this podcast. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I already, I, that sounds like an easy challenge. <laughs> I, already, I already know what it will be, so we're good. Okay, nice. Well, there you go. All right, cool. Well, let's go into a couple quick fire questions before we wrap. You ready? Let's do it. All right, favorite color? Uh, violet. Favorite yoga pose? Hmm. Headstand. Favorite day of the week? I don't know. That's a hard one. I don't think about days. Man, you can't answer day of the week, but you Mon Monday, tonic. Monday. Easy. Monday is my Monday. favorite day. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> favorite hour of the day? Uh, 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> favorite um, summertime vegetable? Cucumber. And fruit? Uh, well, I guess cucumber is a fruit. Uh, probably strawberries. Nice, nice. Um, what's your favorite way to relax? Uh, qigong or body work. What does your ideal day look like? <laughs> uh, wake up whenever I want. Uh, meditate and then eat really good food and then do some creative stuff then do a couple hours of qigong then probably eat again <laughs> then uh, do something outside you know like some nature stuff or walk or hike or just like chill by the pond and then uh, hang with friends you know do some music do some reading do some creative stuff uh, get a massage. <laughs> Throw it all in there. It's a busy day. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's that's how I like to live. So nice, nice. Um, what's one superhero power that you would like to have for a day? Mm, probably telekinesis, or like being able to move things with my mind. That would that would be pretty rad. That'd be pretty cool. Um, what is your favorite movie? Hmm. Well, I really like, right now, I really like that the Jobs movie. Oh, I've been wanting to see it. I can't wait to see it. Yes, I liked it a lot. Nice. Um, favorite book? Probably The I Ching by Carol K. Anthony. Nice. Favorite song? Um, probably this like Chinese classical song called Flowing Water. Nice. Um, what about the first three things you do when you wake up and the last three things you do when you go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I usually like... Don't say check your email <laughs> for either. <laughs> I mean, do you want, like, the honest things or, like, the real th I don't know. I mean, honest. Just, it's all about the honest. I usually uh, pee, brush my teeth, and drink water. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then, then I usually do those before I go to bed, yeah. too. 
<laughs> I like that. We're all about authenticity here in Wonderland, so that's good. Um, well, this has been so fun, Brandon. I loved getting to know you. So can you tell everybody where to find you and kind of what's next for you and what you're most excited about? Yeah, definitely. As far as uh, current projects, I have Hyperion TV, Hyperion Herbs. Those are both .com, so HyperionTV.com. Hyperion we'll have the links below, too. And then I have another company called OrganicShazandra.com. And then I also have HyperionAcademy.com, where I have my private educational membership site, where I share my like real cutting edge or like real in-depth information. Because what I have on YouTube is just a little more like public, a little more just quick and easy. Whereas the academy is a lot more in-depth and detailed, and I speak a little more freely. Uh, just because it's private and it's a little uh, higher leverage because you know people are paying money so they're going to appreciate the information a bit more whereas YouTube people are just kind of like usually multitasking and not really paying attention so it's like not that respectful to the information uh, but the website is amazing and everyone that has ever joined it has absolutely loved it and there's a lot of really awesome testimonials on the homepage so there's that, and then what I'm excited about now is starting like three other companies and businesses uh, in the next like month or two. <laughs> wow, wow. I can't, I can't say uh, too much about it. It might actually be four. Yeah, it's like four new businesses. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I have, I, have, I have streaks sometimes where I like start a new business every day. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, we will definitely keep in touch with you because I know there's going to be so many cool, exciting things coming from you. So this has just been really great. It's been so great talking with you and getting to know you, like I said, and being the first male to come to Wonderland. That's, that's awesome. And also the longest conversation. So thank you, everybody who listened, for making it to the end. And thank you so much, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Awesome. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Jailbout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook, so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.